So there are a couple topics that you're not supposed to talk about. One of them is uh, religion. The other is politics. Thought we'd do them both at once. How about that? We're going to be in Romans 13 today. And we are going to look at government, governing authorities. And we are going to see what it is, why it is, and what our relationship to it is supposed to be. Let me say that this is an area that has caused a whole lot of trouble in the church in America. Um, It's a hot mess when it comes to us as believers understanding our responsibility towards God and towards government. And in fact, we should know what our relationship to government should be like. We're supposed to know where to be involved in the process. If we're to serve in political positions, what we're to look for in a politician, who we're to vote for, what political party we're to identify with, if any. These are questions the Bible's really, really, really clear on that most believers really, really, really struggle with understanding. And the reason is because at a foundational level, we don't understand what government is, why it is, and how we're to relate with it. And that's what we're going to dig into. If I offend anyone today, I am not sorry. I am sorry. If I offend you, I didn't preach the text too well, or I may have preached it perfectly. And and the goal is not to make it set good. The goal is to understand it well. There's some strange stuff we're going to see in the coming weeks here. Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from who? And those that exist have been instituted by who? Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what who has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed revenue. To whom revenue is owed respect. To whom respect is owed honor. To whom honor is owed. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you're paying attention, you should be going, say what? Uh, Let's put it in context of Romans, though. Anyone remember what governing authorities were like in the time that Paul wrote Romans? Um, See, there was this thing called slavery that ran rampant. There was heavy taxation without representation, extracted it by exhortation. How about that? Taxation without representation, extracted by exhortation. There was a Jewish population. They were an oppressed minority who had no voice in the government. There were all sorts of problems in the government of Rome. This was the time of absolute rulers. You guys like to vote, right? we got midterm elections coming up. Do you know when Nero was elected? Nero wasn't elected. Nero was there by decree. And in this time and in this government, Paul wrote this letter. It was a strange time. It was a dangerous time. It was a time very different than our own. And Paul is writing, interesting, Peter in 1 Peter 2 writes something very similar. And let me say this, Peter and Paul both got dead by the government. But look how they speak about 
what the government is. And we may go pretty slowly here to spend some time in reflection because this is just flat crazy. Where does government come from? Where do the governing authorities come from? I'm, I'm talking about the American political system. Where did your president come from? Who put Donald Trump in office? Shh, don't answer. Who put Donald Trump in office? Who put Nero in power? Who put Pol Pot in authority? Who put Abraham Lincoln in office? Who put George Washington as the first president? Who put the governor into the governorship in the state of Pennsylvania? Who appointed our two senators? Can I tell you the answer? It's not you. And I say it's not you because it says right here that God did it. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities because there is no authority except from who? There is no authority except from who? Let me just be clear. There is no authority except through who? So you want to be very careful, brothers and sisters, when you talk about politicians. I've heard Christians refer to our previous president in some horrendous terms. Let me rephrase that. I've heard people who identify themselves as Christians refer to our previous president in some horrendous terms. I've heard some people who refer to themselves as Christians refer to our current president in some horrendous terms. Can I tell you something? Don't do that. Do you know why you shouldn't do that? Because you know who put them in office? You can answer that now. And if you look closely, I'm going to tell you something. I am a minister of God, amen? President Trump is a minister of God. Former President Obama is a minister of God. Pol Pot was a minister of God. You say, Pastor, where are you coming up with that? I'm looking for Mia. Who? I just made it up. Well, it says right here in the text, they are God's servants for your good. And then I get to verse 6. Authorities are, are what? Ministers of God. Not gospel ministers, not, not spiritual care leaders, but ministers of God in a God-ordained institution for a God-ordained purpose. Listen to me. Government exists by God's decree for God's glory. Do you hear that? Jesus stood before Pilate. Pilate said, you ain't going to talk to me? Don't you know that I can have you dead? Remember what Jesus said? He says, really? You would have no authority at all unless it was given to you by my father. You see that? The first thing you and I need to understand, listen to me, should you vote? I can answer that question. As a Bible answers that question, is a better answer. How do you know who to vote for? Bible answers that question too. You want to talk about that? Hang in there for a Sunday school down the road. Come to Real Conversations this week. Ask the question. Should be a good one. But what you should do more so than vote is understand our job before government is to submit because God establishes the government. There is no authority. Those that exist have been instituted by God who has appointed them. So even if slavery flourishes, absolute rulers exist, taxation is heavy through extortion, if you're a people group who have no voice in government, rise up in rebellion. No. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Huh. How do you feel about that? Getting a little unsettled? I mean, are, are we supposed to be rising up and throwing them out and bringing in, the, bringing in the, the Messiah? Wait a minute. 
Paul's writing saying, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't act like the seditious, rebellious, insurrectionist Jews. Remember Barabbas? Remember Thutis? Remember Judas? Read Acts. Paul's saying, they didn't understand. that The Jews didn't identify Rome as a legitimate government. Listen to me. There's no illegitimate governments. There's bad governments. There's corrupt governments. But all government is instituted by God. You see why I don't want to talk about this stuff? Because now you're all looking at me like, hold up. No, keep going here. What do you do when you got a bad government? What do you do if, if you're an oppressed people group? What do you do if you live? Hey, we have a country with some ugly scars in the back, don't we? We got a country with some ugly scars in the present, don't we? What do you do? Well, well, come to real conversations. We'll dig into that. But one thing you do do is listen to this. Understand that government exists by a decree of God, good, bad, or indifferent. Why? Because of God's sovereignty, because of human depravity. Government is an agent for your good. It says, right, would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good. Listen, I come from a majority people group with influence. I get pulled over. I'm not freaking out. I have brothers and sisters in Christ. They can get pulled over. And they can do what's good and get dead, right? You, you can walk through certain neighborhoods in this country minding your own business, doing the right thing, and the governing authorities might not be for you. Listen, I'm Jewish by birth. I, I've seen what it's like to be in a, a people group that's not embraced. But what this is saying, as a general tenor, the governing authorities exist for your good. If you steal something and run by a cop, you should sweat. If you're walking down the street minding your own business and there's a policeman on the corner, you should feel comfortable that he's going to protect you. And by and large, that's true. And we need to understand that government exists for our good. Even in the worst government, remember the, the Egyptian uprising of, of, what, about seven, eight years past? When the government comes out of power, what happens in the streets? If a bad government even leaves power, what happens in the streets? Mass chaos, anarchy, Right? There's a restraining influence of common grace through the sovereignly instituted governmental institutions. You see where we're going here? Take government out. It gets crazy. Why? Human depravity. So what are we as Christians called to do to the governing authorities? You guys ready? We'll make this real ugly and uncomfortable. What are you called to do? Say it again. Say it again. Who likes to submit? You want to talk about church politics and church rule and authority in the church and submitting to the church's authority? You like that topic? I don't like that topic. You like kids submitting to parents? Parents, amen. Kids, heck no. You want to submit to the governing authorities? Let me tell you this. We submit as an act of submission to God. We, we don't, now, now this is not a passive submission. Put this in the context. What are we talking about in Romans 12? We're talking about overcoming evil with good. We as Christians should not sit there and watch evil exist and do nothing against it. We should submit to the governing authorities, but overcome evil with good. Amen? We speak up. We push back. We, we walk alongside. We be prepared if need be to face the sword of the government. But we do it in love and respectfully. We live in a time where we're probably not going to have to face the sword of the government. Okay? And we can praise God for that. 
But we need to be a people who speak out against injustice of any time and overcome that evil with good. But our job, you know, I heard last election, not my president. Well, you go ahead and spit in God's face again while you're at it. That is your president. You know how he came to office? You don't want to submit, maybe because you didn't vote for that political party, but kids don't want to submit to their parents because we hate authority because, gospel here, we're me-focused, self-glorifying, idolatrous worshipers of ourselves. But Jesus, Romans 1 through 11, came to take self-glorifying, idol-worshiping, me-centered fools and cause us to be born anew, to live for the glory of God with our focus on loving him and loving others. Who here is a big fan of taxes? It's an offering to God. Did you ever think of that? Put your hand down back there. You Paying taxes is an act of worship. It's an act of obedience to God. Because who put the government in place? Part of submitting to God. Be involved in the process. Listen to me. Come out Thursday. It's going to be a robust real conversation. But we pay taxes because God puts pol politics, puts governing authorities in place and entrusts to them the power to extract taxes. You, you guys follow me here? The gospel fits in because we as Christians, as citizens of heaven, should be the greatest citizens on earth because we submit to the governing authorities knowing that God put them in place. Well, what do you do when they're bad? Jesus didn't come to overthrow governments. Jesus came to overthrow sin. Politics exists primarily downstream from the culture. Listen to me. A political party will not fix the perils of the world. Did you hear what I said there? A political party will not fix the perils of the world. It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that will fix the perils of the world. And we are called to be in the world as people living at peace in quiet lives for the glory of God, seeking to overcome evil with good. Listen, I don't like this sermon. I don't like this text. I like a good political rally. I like a good political slogan. I like, yes, we can. But listen, the goal isn't to make America great again. Ooh, did I just get political? It's to make Jesus great again. M-A-J-A, right? Si se puede, yes, we can. And as we make Jesus great again, maybe he so chooses to bring revival and awakening to the country, and he does make America a country that worships a great God. Amen? But our job isn't to hang a sign in the front yard telling our neighbors who we're voting for. Our job is to hang our lives on the altar as a living sacrifice, telling them who we serve as we submit to the governing authorities. Whew! It's getting hot in here. Y'all are freezing out there. My friends, there is good news of great joy. God is sovereign. The government, there has never been a good government. They're all, they're all diversely wicked. It's a matter of do we like what they're after? Why does government exist? For the common good. It's a common grace, preserving institution to restrain evil. And it is so that we as the people of God can live for the glory of God, proclaiming the gospel of God, so Jesus might save the world. We're going to come up on some elections. Listen to me. Don't throw a small fortune at, at a political party trying to put them in power because they ain't going to save you, okay? Don't hang a sign in your front yard without prayerfully considering what you're communicating. 
I remember a, a year ago, I preached a sermon on who would, it was more like two years ago, who would Jesus vote for? I remember Renee was sitting right there. You know who Jesus would vote for? Jesus don't vote, he decrees. Do you want to know why he decrees, who he does decree? Who's known the mind of the Lord or been his counselor? I don't know. But I know my job in front of my politicians and the governing authorities as a Christian is to pray for them, to, to seek peace with them, to pray that God would bless them and guide them for his glory as I submit to them. Listen, you may have a bad mommy and daddy, but if you're living at home, you will live under their authority because they are God's institution put over you, amen? You don't get to say, well, God, I don't like them, I'm out of here. Now, if mommy and daddy tell you to go shoot your neighbor, don't go shooting your neighbor because now you're disobeying God. If the governing authority says to you, you may not go to church, you may not talk about Jesus, come to church and talk about Jesus because we obey God first and foremost, amen? But if they say your taxes are going up, pay your taxes. Listen to me. There are times for disobedience. There is time for us to not walk in the will of the government and governing authorities, but we must be prepared to face the sword if we do that. Moses' mama didn't obey Pharaoh. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and my man Danny didn't obey the authorities. Heck, Peter and John, when they said don't preach, they said, oh yeah? But be careful here. Because Paul got dead by the governing authorities who he calls us to submit to. Peter got dead by the governing authorities who he calls us to submit to. Do you know what happened through Peter and Paul? God worked mightily, amen? Because they were submitted in part. No, let me rephrase that. He worked mightily through them, not because they were submitted to the governing authorities. He worked mightily through them because they were submitted to Christ. And as those submitted to Christ, who see the sovereignty of God, who institutes every government, who sees the providence of God causing all things to work according to his perfect plan, who see the grace and mercy of God in their life through Jesus Christ, they can sit under a difficult anarchist who rules over them and say, you have no power but what God has entrusted to you. Submit to the governing authorities. Maybe, maybe we need to revisit our Facebook walls, folks. Maybe we need to revisit our, our con look at me looking over there for the missing people. My eyes go there. Those conversations we have. Maybe we should revisit what we say in conversation. Maybe as we come into the next presidential election cycle, we should prayerfully consider being able to give a reason for the hope that we have when someone says to us, who are you going to vote for? Maybe we don't say this guy or this lady because they got what I want, but they understand what would be in the will of God and what voting really is and who Jesus really is. And we can tell them, listen, here's how I would vote if we want to share that, but here's the foundation upon which I vote. Amen? I serve a God who decrees and no politician is going to save me. But God desires and works, Romans 12 now, to overcome evil with good. And he uses us as people who were formerly evil and have been made good to work by his power in countries around the world to fight against evil and overcome it with good as we submit to the governing authorities he has instituted. Do you see that, my friends? 
You know, if you don't see the foundation of the gospel here, when it comes to governing authorities, you either have fear or rage or glee. Yeah, you ever watch uh, cable news? I can take about five minutes. And I'll start on, on MSNBC, and then I go over to Fox News, and it's like, wham, bam! And then I come back to CNN, and I'm getting whiplash, and I'm going, what the heck is going on out here? It's like, we're all going to die. Messiah is in office. We're all going to die. Stop. The president is the president by the decree of God. He has a job. There are certain responsibilities he has before God, and he'll give an account. What's your relationship like with the president? Do you show honor to whom honor is due? Respect to whom respect is due? Do you pray for your president, for your senators, for your governors, for, for your mayors, for your local councilmen? Listen, who here tries to do a project on their house and skip the permit? Careful. Careful. Not going to report anybody. But there's an act of worship where in the flesh we say, why the heck should I get a permit? What right do you have to tell me what to do in my house? So listen, I'm there with you in the flesh full on. But then I look at this text, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Listen, show up at your next council meeting and petition against the permit necessity. I'm with you there. But, but, but you got to consider the permit isn't really a permit. It's an act of submission and obedience to God. You know, when you do your taxes, how many of you are trying to fudge a little bit? How many are like, oh, I drove, I drove 3,000 miles, and then you're filling in your logbook like on January 3rd in case somebody checks? How many of you are like pulling receipts from Salvation Army like, yeah, it was an expensive suit. I right, listen to me. Taxes are an act of worship. I'm not saying be, don't, be wise in the tax code. Don't get more than you got to give, but give what you got to give for the glory of God. Use wisdom here. In a culture that rages against the machine, we don't need to rage against the machine because we know the machine is already broken. And there's one who came not to, to fix the machine, but to make all things new again. Amen? And the way we're able to do this is, is that we sit in light of the gospel. As we remember who Christ is. So Peter, what is it? First Peter 2. It's always risky when you're jumping off script here. Peter talks about our responsibility as Christians. He says, 13, be subject for the Lord's sake, right? Go down to verse 18 of 1 Peter 2. Servants. Anybody see it yet? What does that say? Be subject to your what? With all respect, not only the good ones, but who? If you're a servant to a harsh master, submit to that authority for the glory of God. Don't get walked over, tromped on, and killed without pushing back against evil with good, but submit. Don't just submit if you like it. Submit all the time because you know who God is. You know who you are in Christ. And you know why you are what you are in Christ. Do you hear me there? So we're about two years away from closing in on the next presidential election cycle. Got Bob Woodward's book coming out on Tuesday, right? Better get that book, read that up, find out what's going on. You, you, you better uh, watch a little Fox after you read Bob Woodward's book to balance it out. 
Then we're going to have a political process take place and the world's going to get crazy because the world's looking for a savior to come into office and fix us up. My friends, don't get caught in the flood. Don't get sucked into the wash. Be involved in the process. Be respectful of the process. Heck, one day you might run in the process. Come to Real Conversations. We can talk about that if you like. But in the process, understand your vote will not select the next president of the United States. You hear me there? Your vote is simply something you get to steward for the glory of God. Do you know who selects the next president of the United States of America? Now, he'll use you in the process. Your vote may be consequential, but ultimately, the Lord Jesus himself institutes and sometimes he puts some nasty rulers, and sometimes he puts some wonderful rulers, and most of the time it's somewhere in between. So Paul, sitting under the authority of a man named Nero, listen, you pick the worst president you can find in American history, it ain't nothing compared to Nero. Listen, I will be shot dead before I got out of this church building if I preached a sermon like this and Nero was ruling. But here's the thing. Paul, his goal was to live a quiet and peaceful life, silencing the ignorance of foolish people. Second Peter, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Why? Because God institutes them. Now, I don't want you taking what I'm saying today way out of context. I'm kind of bumping into walls here. Is your vote consequential? Sure, it's consequential. So is wearing your seatbelt. But God numbered your days. Amen? We're called to steward a lot of stuff, but we're called to steward our stuff under the sovereignty of God. I don't buckle up and bubble wrap myself to try to extend my days. I don't bubble wrap myself. But I buckle up being a faithful steward before God. When it comes time to vote, we're called to be involved in the political process in a representative democracy. It's a stewardship issue. How we're involved, now we're into a gray area. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime in a Sunday school topic over an extended period of time of how Christians function in the political realm. Hmm. But what I am saying is, we amongst all people should be the best citizens in the land, amen? We, we should not be a people who get caught up in the cacophony of the craziness. And if you look back over church history, even look back over American history and look at the influence of believers in the life of our country, you'll see some shocking stuff that doesn't get brought up in the textbooks very well. We lived in a time not so far back where we had slavery in the land, and it was a different type of slavery than the Roman Empire had. That was like an indentured servitude. We had something far more sinister and different. And as Christian people, we have a responsibility before God in that. And do you know what that is? To work to overcome evil with good. What does that look like? That's a wonderful conversation to have. But rather than focus on what it looked like in the time of slavery, let us look in our present time and see where is there evil in our society? Where, where does racism exist in our society? Where does corruption exist in our society? Where, where is abuse taking place in our society? And we as Christians, listen to this, we don't look to change the political structure exclusively to fix the problem. You know why? That's not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is corrupt hearts. 
And our job is to be used by God to fix corrupt hearts through the proclamation of the gospel. And he ordains that that takes place in and through our lives as we submit to the governing authorities. And yes, at times that hurts. I don't like this talk from Paul. I want to be like, Paul, you got dead by the governing authorities. Peter, you got dead by the governing authorities. Jesus, you got dead by the governing authorities. And Jesus would say, no, I did not. No, he would say, I chose to lay my life down. You remember the, the, the Jewish leaders came to Jesus and Peter? Did your master pay the, the drachma tax? It's a temple tax. These are the people that are going to kill Jesus. Did your master pay the tax? Remember what Jesus told Peter to say and do? He said, heck no, I'm not paying the tax to those wicked rulers. No, he said, pay it. He said, go fishing, <laughs> pay it. My friends, God is sovereign. Remember that. Remember this, who are you in Christ? How does God see you in Christ? If you're in a, if you're in a position of oppression or abuse by the governing authorities, understand who those authorities are, how they came to be, and how God sees you. How do you in that position seek to overcome evil with good? Hmm, you hear that? We're not, we're not to be passively abused by the governing authorities. We're to be actively opposed to evil in every way by overcoming evil with good. And one of those ways is as we submit to the governing authorities knowing who God is and who we are in Christ. Now, isn't it fun to talk about this in an American context where really some of the hardest things we have to deal with is unfair taxes, I use unfair in quotes there, and government infringing upon our rights. You know why? Because we're the don't tread on me type of people. But I fear we hang that flag on the lawns of our heart before the Lord too often. Don't tread on me, Jesus. Jesus says, I'm coming stomping through. I'll either tramp, tramp that down myself or I'll put a new flag in your heart. As people with a, a new flag in our heart are said more theologically accurately, a new heart in our life, we're called to submit to God in every conceivable way. We're talking about relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, relationships with the lost, relationships with enemies, relationships with evil, and now relationships with government. In light of Romans 1 through 11, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual worship. Fast forward. Submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God institutes. But Jesus, I don't want to. Jesus says, well, I didn't know I was taking a vote. He says, trust me. You're not living for your glory, are you? Thought I saved you from that. You're living for mine, says Jesus. We are saved from God himself, by God himself, to God himself, for his purposes. Amen? You guys, I don't like this sermon. I'm, I'm right with you. This is one of those sections of scripture. I'm like, God, I'm, I don't like this. I just, there's some stuff I don't like. And we should, we should be able, listen, I'm American. I come from a long line of military men. And, and we have a history that is 
at times difficult to wrestle through, but there's a very individualistic streak that runs through that history. You got to pull yourselves up by your bootstrap, right? Except as, as Martin Luther King once said, I, don't, I mean the one who lived more recently than the reformer guy, he says, what do you do if you got no boots? <laughs> and my friends, that's what you and I need to remember apart from Christ. You got no boots. So Jesus, by grace through faith, puts boots on our feet. And then he, by his power, allows us to pull ourselves up at times. He gets the glory because we do it. But this is so countercultural. Submit to the governing authorities. How does this play out? Your neighbor says, hey, I see you're putting a new deck on. Did you get a permit for that? Do you see the evangelistic opportunity that you have right there that you blow if you say, nah? Of course I got a permit. What do you mean? You got a permit. Why would you get a permit? It's a waste of money. Why I get a permit? Because my Lord calls me to. What the heck are you talking about? You're some sick fool. No, I serve a mighty God. And in submitting to him, I submit to the governing authorities. You see what just happened there? You see how easy that is to blow? Not my president. Whole different conversation than, yeah, that's my president. What, what, what do you mean that's your president? Don't you? No, no, no. No, no, no. I understand the president has problems, but I understand my God reigns. You, you see, this is a mighty evangelistic opportunity through which our lives glorify God. I don't like it, but I love Jesus. This is the means God has established and the mission he calls us to, that he will be glorified as he uses us to overcome evil with good, as those who were once evil, but made good in Christ. And this is carried out in part as we live in submission to the governing authorities. Nobody likes to submit. Let the gospel ring when you feel that desire to not submit. When you go to work tomorrow and your boss says, I'm going to need you to work late tonight. What's the first thing your flesh says? Oh, heck no. I'm going to need you to cancel your vacation plans. Oh, are you now? Uh-huh. Same things you said when your mom and dad said, go clean your room, but you kept your mouth shut. Go clean your room. Mm-mm. See if you can make me, right? Anyone ever do that at age five? Bam! Ah! Listen, our job is to submit to God, period, point blank, done. Every other area we submit is an act of worship as God makes it clear in Scripture. You're not really submitting to your parents. You're not really submitting to the government. You're submitting to Christ himself. Do you see that? And as you submit to him and walk in his will, he will be glorified. You will have joy and the gospel will be made magnificent. I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, wrote Paul to Timothy in the time of absolute rulers. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good week, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people, wrote Paul to Titus in the, Titus in the time of absolute rulers. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor supreme or governors is sent by him to punish those who do evil 
and praise those who do good. For this is a will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, writes Peter to the believers in a time of absolute rulers. My friends, we're being discipled all week long. The question is by what? And by who? By the Lord himself through his word as we gather and live with his people? Or by social media? By the lost world? By cable news networks? You're being discipled. Is the world falling apart? Mm. Yeah, but perfectly in God's plan. Do governments progress negatively? Yeah, but according to God's perfect plan. Because one day, I have to tell you this, there will be a governing authority you will delight in submitting to. One day, you will have no vote. One day, your right to vote will be totally removed. One day, there will be no more elections, just the elect. You guys caught that? Ha ha. Pastor humor. What one day, you will live in a land with an absolute ruler who you delight to live under the authority of and worship and praise him all day long. That time will not come on this temporal plane. That time will come when the Lord Jesus brings us home and establishes a mighty theocracy where we live as subjects of the Most High King, where government is everything that government should be, where people are everything people should be, and worship is everything that worship should be. But as we live in this fallen land and we live in a time of evil, as we live in this present darkness, our job isn't to rise up in rebellion against the government. It's to be used by God himself for his glory to be a spiritually rebellious force from within that overcomes evil with good. Amen? The opportunities we have through loving one another, through through genuine love, through abhorring what is evil, to, to living hospitably with one. Oh my goodness, the evangelistic opportunities we have. You ever think about getting that permit as an evangelistic opportunity? I don't, see, I don't like this. But who's smarter, me or Jesus? Now that's an easy one for you to answer. I saw Barb just give me a look like, are you kidding? Ask it this way, who's smarter, you or Jesus? Whose will is better, yours or Jesus? Now, is it that you really want to come e overcome evil with good? Or is your problem that you want your will done? When government stands in front of your will, that's where we tend to get abrasive. When government stands in front of the will of God, well, there's a solution that we can battle against that with. You know what it is? Submit to the governing authorities. Remember the gospel. Overcome evil with good. Hmm. Nah, I'm not going to go there today. There are a lot of tangential questions that come up through a text like this, right? Well, well what are you supposed to look for in a politician? Well, what, what's our responsibility in voting? Is there a political party that Jesus loves more than the other one, right? What's the best type of government there can be? You know what I love about this text? It doesn't make me have to go anywhere near those things. But scripture gets close to all of those things. But here's what we need to see for today. Romans 1 through 11 talks about our identity in Christ, how we became what we are in Christ. Romans 12, 13, 14, 15 tell us how to live as people of God. 
What's your relationship supposed to be like with the brethren? We did that. What's your relationship supposed to be like with the lost? We did that. What's your relationship supposed to be like with the enemies? We did that. What's your relationship supposed to be like with evil? We did that one too. What's your relationship supposed to be like with the government? And in each and every one of these situations, there should be a part of you that goes, Pastor, but I can't do that. Well, good, because now you got Romans 1 and 11 down good. Because on your own, if you're like, yeah, I can do that, you haven't really heard Jesus clearly. Jesus doesn't just say to the child at the park who smacked the other kid, go say that you're sorry. He says, feel remorse towards that action and love towards the person you, you smacked or were smacked by. Yeah? It's not, Joey, go tell him you're sorry. No. It's Joey, runs to you, says, that kid smacked me. And go tell that kid you love him. The kid would look at you like, that's what Jesus says. My, Jesus, he smacked me. Well, go love him. No! I want to throw lightning bolts at him. No, go love him. And the only way it happens is when you see, listen to me, as wicked as any politician is that you may see, take that finger, turn it this way. Look at this heart. Look at the biggest problem you have isn't out there, it's in here. You know what the, I don't remember who it was, I think maybe Chesterton, and I'll land the plane here. There was an op-ed in a paper a long, long time ago and they, they were looking for submissions on what is the greatest problem in the world. Do you know what his response was? There's a man who loved Jesus, a minister of the word for many years. His response was, the greatest problem in the world is me. Until you and I begin to see that the greatest problem in the world is me, we're not well positioned to be used by God for his glory. Are there problems in the world? Do you want to be used by God to help overcome evil with good? See the evil that exists in you, first and foremost, that was forgiven by Christ, but Romans 7, that still resides in you, even you who are in Christ, and seek to do God's will, not your own. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God, attending to this very thing, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And I suspect that the Lord Jesus himself was reading this text to us, Knowing our hearts perfectly and reading our minds, he would say to each and every one of us, hang on one minute. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Wouldn't that be amazing? Jesus would actually say that to us. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of, of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, 
which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, Jesus would say, trust me, I am who I say I am. You are who I say you are in Christ. Now walk by grace through faith. Let's pray. Father, please, please help us to understand this text. It's a clear text with a hard teaching. Help us to be excellent citizens of this earth for your glory because we are citizens of heaven. Help us to be able to submit to the authorities over us in, in whatever area, in particular today to the governing authorities, for your name's sake. And help us to trust that wherever we find ourselves, under whatever privileges or, or oppressions we face, that we are there by sovereign decree. And Lord, we are there in part to be used by you to overcome evil with good. Lord, so much of politics is just downstream of the culture. I pray that we would be a people who walk according to your plan to transform a culture from the inside out through the regeneration of hearts by the proclamation of the gospel. And might we understand, Lord Jesus, that these good works you call us to will so often present us opportunities to proclaim the excellencies of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, we cry out, this is hard, nay, this is impossible. <clears throat> and you respond that we can do all things through you who strengthens us. So Lord Jesus, in particular, as we, we live in a tumultuous political climate with unique freedoms and privileges that we, we have, help us to not fall victim to the cultural conformity. Help us to not be, be swayed by the loss to this or that, to such and such, to saying this or that, but to looking to every interaction as a way to glorify you. Lord, how ridiculous would it seem to our friends and relatives and, and neighbors who, who may be like us in the flesh to see a massive and manifest difference between them and us as we seek to love genuinely and be used by you, Lord Jesus, to overcome evil with good. Be it in the most inconsequential things as getting a permit, to the seeming most consequential things of if we might be called before Caesar himself. Lord, may we be properly submitted to you, as you have saved us too, so we might glorify you and have the joy you intend for us. Jesus, we pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.